It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast. Hello, you're listening to the Mermaid Podcast, and I'm your host, Laura Von Holt, the fairy boss mother of Cinderly. Hi, mer friends. We are back, or at least I, I'm back. I don't know. I don't know if you're back, but I'm back. Uh, but actually, when you listen to this, I will be in England at a writing retreat, or when this goes out, I will be in England. I'm very excited to travel again. I stayed put in New York City for many weeks on end, which made me a little uncomfortable. I, I like to get out and see the world. Um, and I, while I'm at my writing retreat, I'm excited to be wrapping up the drafts for my next two books, which will come out at the end of October, early November. Um, the November release, Princess of the Sea, is my version of The Little Mermaid's Royal Wedding, set in my own universe. And, I mean, it's like a universe that's on Earth. I just meant a universe like my own world and creation. Um, and, in that same time in November, we will also be celebrating the 30th anniversary of Disney's The Little Mermaid. So it's going to be a very great month for all things mermaid. I know we have a lot of Ariel fans on the podcast. Um, things have been a little bit sparse around here on the podcast end for me, at least for the Mermaid podcast, because I have a new project, which you'll hear about soon. Okay, well... I cannot, I can't lie to you guys. I have another podcast that's coming out, but it's not quite ready for you at the time of this recording. So, all right. So, but get excited. It's, it's going to be different and I'm excited for, and I'm excited, but I've been working on that. So that's why the mermaid podcast has been a little bit sparse. Um, I was going to not tell you that. And then I was like, but I, my mer friends want to know. Um, so yes, new secret podcast coming soon. Um, but on the Mermaid Podcast end, I'm going to push through and get you a few more episodes throughout the fall. And if there's someone that you think I should interview or a mermaid topic you want me to investigate, send me an email at podcast at cinderly.com. I can't make any promises, but I will definitely investigate whatever you send me. Uh, this is also your reminder that we have merch. The link to our merch store will be in the show notes at mermaidpodcast.com. And if you use code PODCAST, all caps, you can get 15% off t-shirts for everybody. I have been wearing mine, like, all throughout August and, and September. Um, it's very soft. I like it. Um, okay, and now it is time for a listener shout out. Uh, Chris left a review on Apple Podcasts that says, I love mermaids and this podcast hits the spot. It features many mermaid related items and I love it. Thanks for it. Well, thank you, Chris. I love you too. And seriously, everybody, any reviews, comments, little DMs I get, I love them all. Um, I see a lot of artwork on Instagram and a lot of stuff that you all are doing. And it's really, really good. And I, I love to see how creative you are with your mermaid life. So good job, everybody. And now about this episode. Um, this episode features Susie Green, who is the head of a charity called Mermaids. And I first heard about Mermaids because they were mentioned in an article about organizations that Prince Harry supported or endorsed. So, of course, I had to check it out because I am a big fan of Prince Harry. And, and I mean, I'm a, I'm a royal 
royal watcher. I I loved all of the royal weddings. I, I eat it all up. Um, so I had to investigate what this mermaid's charity was about, and I'm so glad that I, I did, because part of what I love about having this podcast is getting to find out what mermaids mean to all sorts of people all around the world. And this was a really cool and meaningful interview to do, and I'm very happy to share it with you. A little bit about Mermaids, it is a charity based in the UK, which has been working to support transgender and gender diverse children, young people, and their families since 1995. Susie Green is their CEO, that's who I interviewed today, and you can follow Mermaids on Twitter at Mermaids underscore gender, and their Instagram is at Mermaids gender. I will have all the links to everything in the show notes, including... These amazing mermaid dolls that Susie showed me over Skype. You can't see them because it's an audio format, so I'll put links and pictures. Um, I wanted to buy them all, and you will too. Okay, so that is it. And now, let's get on with the show. Uh, So my name is Susie Green, and I am CEO of a charity called Mermaids that operates in the United Kingdom to support transgender children, young people, and their families. Wonderful. Um, I found you because I was actually kind of Googling. I was wondering if there was a charity that was named Mermaids or had anything connected to Mermaids, and I found yours very easily. (laughs) Um, And then I got a Google alert about um, a news item about uh, the Royal Foundation, and you were mentioned in it. Um, So that's how I tracked you down. Um, I'm very curious to know about the work of your organization and also how it started. So the, the, the charity was actually started, it will be our 25th anniversary next year. It was started in 1995 by a group of parents who uh, were taking their children to the Tavistock and Portman Gender Identity Service, which um, was based in London and only had one office at that point. And the, um, the director in charge of the service just suggested that they set up a support group for themselves, you know, within themselves to, to act to support other families. I think the numbers were very, very low at that point. So they started off as, as a group of just a, of parents and they all had children who were assigned male at birth who identified as female. And it sort of changed into being a charity in 1998 um, from being a support group to an actual registered unincorporated charity and remained that way until three years ago when we moved it from well 2015 so four years ago we moved it from being an unincorporated charity to a CIO which is a charitable incorporated organization so and it started out as a group of parents just supporting each other mm-hmm. uh, talking to each other and uh, phoning and, and really just um, meeting I think once a month and it went on from that in terms of then uh, they started answering the phone and created a website but the charity now as an organization we've got an email chat and a chat and uh, a helpline uh, the helpline runs from 9am till 9pm Monday to Friday uh, the emails are, are sort of the same and the chat runs from 6 till 9pm on uh, weekday evenings We've also got local groups um, nationally. We've got 10, but we've just got funding from the National Lottery Community Fund, and we're going to increase by adding an an additional 45 around the UK. Oh, wow. That's over the the next five years. (laughs) So um, we've also uh, got... 
four residential weekends that we deliver a year and they're sort of across the country so um, we're just gearing up for our next one which will be um, in Scotland in September and they run from a Friday till a Sunday afternoon and they're just an opportunity for families to come together in a really safe space and provide that sort of peer support and linking up with others but also we do like workshops for young people around self-esteem and we talk about the legalities and and give people um, information on their rights Um, and then we've also got a training department so our training department works with schools across the UK we work with police we've done training into social care um, like fostering agencies etc and the NHS with like CAMS etc so supporting um, kids uh, mental health and also uh, skilling professionals up to deal with transgender children and young people and last July we started a new um, pilot which has worked exceptionally well which is we've got a legal we've got a legal um, support worker who talks to families and young people who are having issues around prejudice. Now, the majority of it is in education, but we've also got some within treatment and the NHS, and then onwards from that, different areas of... um, So, for example, some um, a lot of the work that we do is if a school won't accept a young person's change of name and pronouns, um, or there's issues around where they should change and what facilities they should use, um, we've also had it where GPs have refused to change names and refer to somebody as they wish to be referred to. And our legal support worker works within the Equality Act, within the Human Rights Act, to support those young people and their families. Um, we also have a certain amount of hate crime that you know that, that we get involved with supporting people on. Um, I think it's so groups. And then that's a lot. <laughs> That's, that's quite a bit, isn't yeah. it, I That's very comprehensive. <laughs> um, we've also got we've got a policy officer as well, and so we're trying to work with um, trying to work with the government, the, the government equalities office, the Department of Education, uh, Quality and Human Rights Commission, um, and we've got some you know sort of very well known partners such as Amnesty, Stonewall, etc., working with us and alongside us to try to create change um, from a perspective as. You know, we've got um, over 1,600 parents on an online sick parents group and we've got over just under 700 young people on an online youth group um, and they often don't have a voice. So what we aim to do is is to elevate their voices without putting them at risk because obviously there's still an awful lot of prejudice out there. So. Right. Wow, that's that's wonderful, and that's also quite a bit of growth from where you started as a support group. Um, when did you become involved? So I actually phoned Mermaids 20 years ago, so they'd already been running for a few years, um, and my daughter's 26, but I I made my first call to the helpline, which I found on a very strange-looking website compared to what we've got now. and there was a telephone number and I phoned and spoke to one of the former um, trustees who was a founder member and uh, got involved at that point as a parent on the parents group then I moved into being a trustee um, and then eventually moved into being chair and then after um, after sort of years and years and years of working as an entirely voluntary organization we sort of saw that um, demand was growing, more and more people were, were trying to get hold of us and um, 
so I suggested that we look at moving to a more professional model and put in pieces of tech and go after funding so that we could have paid workers. Um, so I was the first paid worker as part-time CEO at the beginning of um, January 2016. Okay. And we've just taken on our 20th staff member last wow. week. Wow, okay. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. Um, can you tell me a little bit about um, just some of... Uh, like some, like you've obviously seen a lot of growth as far as the organization, but um, oh, are we there? Did we lose? Yeah, yeah. Sorry? Okay, we lost you for a minute. Oh, there. That's fine. Um, so I was just saying that you've obviously had a lot of growth as far as the organization. Um, what are your goals for the next maybe five, ten, fifteen years? Um, I suppose our long-term goal, and I don't think we're going to achieve that in the next five, ten, or even fifteen years, is actually not to be needed. Yeah. That that we, you know, that there isn't an organisation that supports transgender children and young people and their families because it's just an acceptable part of being human. Um, but we think that there's a lot of work to be done until that is the case. So I think over the next five years, what we want to see is we want to see transgender children and young people being accepted as, as, as real, um, rather than, you know, parents being accused of, of picking, you know, jumping on a, a lobby and jumping on a trend. And also parents being accused of trying to um, avoid um, their child being labelled as homosexual, so they're making them change their gender instead. These are the sort of arguments that are being used against families, yeah. And to sort of negate the fact that trans kids exist. Now, that's that's something that is, I suppose, what we're looking for as well. We want more affirmative health care to be the norm rather than, you know, it constantly being attacked. We want conversion therapy to be um, outlawed. So I think our, our long-term aim is, as I say, is not to be needed, but in the short term, we want better rights and recognition of trans kids and young people. We want in sort of the mid-term to see um, greater visibility of trans people in all um, walks of life and for um, sort of big, greater protections for them. Um, and eventually i just think that you know education is is a key part and that trans people um in much the same way as i don't do you know about section 28 that we had in the uk no i don't so this was um this was quite some time ago and there was a law passed that basically outlawed any teaching around homosexual relationships in school Whoa. i mean like literally any teaching and this was brought in by maggie thatcher and it was section 28 and it was only removed um sort of 20 years ago so you, you know we, we've had we've had a, a huge space of time where even talking about homosexual relationships was was banned in schools now what is happening as a result of the government bringing in more um inclusive sex education um lessons that that should start next year and including transgender young people within those teachings is we've got a, a, a backlash against that and we've got lots of people saying that you know this will teach children to be trans in much the same way as section 28 was put in place to stop people talking about homosexual relationships just in case that made kids gay um, we, that's what we're that's what we're dealing with in terms of the backlash against that at the moment. So we want education just to depict everybody as, as being valid and having a right to be, and it will take a bit of time. We you know for that to, to filter through into day to day life, and then 
as I say, protections against discrimination. We've seen an increase in, in not only transphobic hate crime of over 80% um, in the last year across the UK, but we've also seen homophobic attacks increase as well. So there's, there's a real sort of push. And I don't know whether or not it's because more people are reporting it, um, or feeling capable of, of actually standing up and saying this isn't right or whether the police are getting better at processing this sort of stuff and rather than blaming the victims which we have seen happen in the past um, but we know there's an issue there's a problem and it needs to be addressed and hopefully you know we'll, we'll be part of um, you know that drive to, to give trans kids and young people a better life and, and better outcomes and help them to achieve the best in a society that accepts them for themselves yeah well I also would imagine some of, of what you do is in order to make change on like a government level you need a lot of data as well to prove that there are populations that need this help so I imagine oh uh, do you know I just I completely forgot poor poor Ethan so one of the things that we've just done as well is we've taken on a researcher okay so um uh, he came on board about six two months about two months six weeks two months ago again that's paid for by the national lottery community fund um, grant and that's for us for over the next five years to actually gather more data around the journeys that that trans children and young people go through and their families the barriers that they face the impact that those things have on them as where you know whereas you know what what that it means for their mental health, for their physical health, what, what those things look like, how they overcome them. And we also want to look at the positives, you know, what makes a parent of a, of a trans child or young person, what makes them accept rather than reject their children and try to identify those things and try to make those things, you know, whatever that is, whether it's more news, whether it's more resources online, access to videos that, that tell stories that, that make people realize that this isn't something that, that's isolated this is you know there are far more people than you would know of that are trans but actually it's very difficult to be out and open which is understandable um and we want that to, to become less that people are able to stand up and be proud of who they are and no longer feel ashamed but yeah so ethan is doing um, we're working with a couple of universities, Goldsmiths University in Nottingham, for, for starters, and we're looking at doing longitudinal studies, both qualitative and quantitative, to provide that data that actually shows the reality of, of what life is like for you if you are trans. And you've been around for so long now that I imagine a lot of the kids that you initially, and the, and the parents that you initially um, supported, are, are they still around? Do they, do they come back? Do you get to keep in touch with them? Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of our parents who came onto the parents groups whose children are now grown up and off doing their thing, like like my daughter, you yeah. know, because, you know, she's 26 now. So, um, you know, we, we like those parents to stick around because when you come into this and this maybe comes to you as something that you either had an expectation that something was wrong but didn't know what it was or knew something um, was going on or this came as a complete surprise to you as a parent that when you join our online parents group and you start talking to other people there are people like me and, and like people who you know I've been dealing with and supporting for, for years um, who can say it's okay that it can be okay there is hope your child is not always going to be alone they will have a career and a life and they will find people to love them and to be able to give that hope and a sense of you know take away the dread for the future and the fear and to talk around 
you know as things happen and and it's such a journey and takes many many years whether you're a parent supporting um, your trans child or whether you are that young person yourself that it's really helpful to have somebody who's done this and gone ahead of you just to say this can be okay you know yeah. and being true to yourself doesn't mean you lose everything right uh, but also to acknowledge that for some people we have young people on our youth group who you know have had to leave home they've ended up sofa surfing because they've come out to their parents and been rejected we've got young people who are just waiting until they're old enough to leave home so then they can live as themselves because their parents will not accept them as they are and that's a dangerous time um, for them i would imagine uh, it's 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 the most dangerous time and those are the kids that we keep an eye on in terms of talk around self-harm and suicidality and and we know that those those kids are most at risk and are the most vulnerable but are often in a home situation that means that you know that they're they are in an in an incredibly unstable setting and you know some of the conversations we have around risk and assessing whether or not it's okay to come out and you know what to do if their parents aren't supportive and, and avenues and ways of, of um, you know making themselves feel safe at the same time as, as not putting them at risk of homelessness and but at the same time some kids are living in a really abusive situation because they are trans in that case then sometimes it's say like we have to involve social services or local services because we believe you're at risk and that this is abusive behavior within your home so you know, we um, we regularly have to call ambulances, I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm so glad they have you as a resource because I, I can't imagine what it was like before um, your organization existed or even the support group. Um, that's awesome. I was reading on your website, you had a section of voices from parents and voices from young people. And um, one of the quotes that really um, hit me was that one of the parents was saying that um, every parent just wants the best for their child. Um, and, and that struck such a chord to me because I think we kind of forget about this on an individual level, but I feel that in the, the best version of our society would be that the whole community feels that way, that we all want the best for the next generation. You know, it's kind of a primal instinct. Um, and I know sometimes people think they're doing the best, but they're actually, by not accepting someone, but on a, on a, on a you know, brighter, better future level, it would be so wonderful if we all, if we all turn our energy towards that. Um, yeah, which is why, as I say, you know, one of our long-term aims is that we're needed. Right, right. We would love to, to, you know, if somebody says, oh, actually, I'm I'm not a girl uh, or I'm not a boy and maybe I'm non-binary or maybe I, I'm trans, you know, I, I'm a girl or a boy, you know, which yeah. isn't what they're assigned at birth, um, that that just is met with, oh, okay, then, so what do we do next then? You know, and, and yeah. a real just level of love and acceptance and you know, we do see some kids who, who start through this process who then might reverse that decision. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And the thing that we, you know, are constantly saying to families is you must just keep this dialogue open. You must just keep listening and and talking to your child and accepting their truth rather than saying that they don't know who they are, that you're listening to them going, well, actually, yeah, you do. Because when kids, you know, when children are born, and I mean, like, obviously for my first baby, I was handed what I thought was a little boy. Um, and I, you know, um, my daughter's got three younger brothers. Now, I have never, ever questioned any of her brothers as to whether they're happy being boys. But when she told me 
that she wasn't a boy that she was a girl I spent two years telling her that how could she possibly know and that she was just a boy who liked girl things now you know we, we just accept kids reality if they're comfortable with the bo- with the gender that are, they're assigned at birth why is it any different for other children they know too right so right. wouldn't it be nice if they could just say this speak their truth and, and not have to deal with what I did which is wasn't out and out rejection but it was rejection of her gender identity of who she was mm-hmm. and it took two years of her just getting more and more miserable and sad just so sad you see your four-year-old just being you know between four and six years old until I sort of finally realized I couldn't keep ignoring it I just saw this kid disappearing to herself oh yeah that must be really hard as a parent to watch too I'm I'm glad that you you know that you that you came around but I also I'm your personal experience I would imagine gives you a the best insight into into being a part of leading this organization um, that you you've been there through it. I've been through it. Um, I think that also in terms of if you're a trans person, so for example, our workforce, um, uh, over fifty percent of our workforce is trans. So we feel it's really important to involve um, people with lived experience, whether that's as a parent or whether that's as a trans per- person yourself. And what we want is passion and dedication, and that's what we've got from my entire team. Yeah. Um, and it's just got more complicated as it's gotten bigger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the same at the same time, you know, we've gone from helping, you know, a few hundred to literally thousands of, yeah. of people. So you know, we, we are we're becoming more prominent in terms of our profile. People are finding out about us, um, and. I mean, some of that because it's a controversial area and people are attacking us. But at the same time, that does mean that you know parents and young people are finding out about us. But our main our main work that we do is direct support. That's eighty percent of what we do, yeah. and the twenty percent is changing yeah. the world. So I I also want to bring in. I I know I think sometimes when people think about charity work, it's just like oh, it's drudgery and we're saving the world and realistic people's problems. But I would imagine there's also a huge amount of joy in in knowing that you're helping people and seeing when you've made an impact and I, I mean it must be on some level fun to work with cool people who are passionate about what they do <laughs> right <laughs> and one of the things that sort of brings it home to you the most is when we attend weekend residentials and you know um I always try to get to those because even though they're four a year, so that's four weekends a year plus all the other stuff that we do around that, it's that unique opportunity to see families often come into a space and they're quite scared about what they're... I don't know what they think we do. I think then we all sit in a circle, hold hands and go on. <laughs> but, you know, there's that trepidation about what they're going to face. Yeah. What we see quite a lot of is... Um, dad's been sort of dragged into this space and they don't necessarily want to engage or and you know then family families coming out at the end of this with their relationships um renewed and sometimes saved because i've seen it where a point where you know a couple is on the verge of a fracture completely because they just can't agree and you know people coming away from these weekends and and they've had that light bulb moment where they've seen what it means to their child to support them properly but also we have um, we have a session which is our biggest and most popular session where we have um, adults that have so our, we have role models mm-hmm. so we have our patrons um, who have 
sort of signed up to be you know to work with us because they really love what we do um and they're all, all trans people and and then what we also have is we have young people who have been part of our youth group or their parents and and them have been part of the parents and then come along to weekends and they stand up and they talk about what their lives are like now and what they had to go through and and the main thing is is that it's the positive at the end of this that look look I'm fine I've got my partner I've got this I've got that I'm doing really well and um and I'm so much happier being being looked to and being respected for who I am and that's the thing that often really gets the parents who are so afraid for their children that their first reaction is we must stop this because it's going to mean that they're going to be miserable for the rest of their lives but those role model sessions they just really renew your sense of you know if we could just fix society and the way that they view um trans kids and and trans people then it'd be okay yeah but we need to we need to keep working on that but yeah i mean we we have some we have some amazing times and we just had our agm actually this last weekend So that was on Saturday, and again, you know, um, one of our patrons, Annie Wallace from Hollyoaks, attended. All our staff came, the trustees came, some of our service users and our volunteers, and it was a celebration. It was a celebration of a really great year where we've achieved so much. Um, but it was all again, it was that validation about what we deliver, what we do, and how we do it in such a way that it makes people's lives better. So yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think. I can't imagine doing anything other than what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so I do have to relate it to mermaids. So how did how did the organization come to be called Mermaids? Okay, so the reason that it's called Mermaids um, is that all of the children in the original support group that was set up, they were all assigned male at birth but identified as, as female, as girls. Okay. And they were all obsessed with mermaids. Each and every one of them. They were all obsessed with mermaids. And it just seemed really apt. And as the parent of a you know, um, a trans daughter, I, I could relate to this because I have seen that film 7,000 yep. times and I know all of the words. <laughs> you know, we, we probably got through about three different VHS tapes because they ran out and yeah. got burnt out because, yeah. you know, my daughter was just absolutely obsessed with Ariel the Mermaid. So, yeah. you know, it, it seems to be a really common theme. I, do, I don't know why, yeah. but it really is. Huh. And um, our parents group, what you see is as, as parents sort of join and at first they're really tentative and worried and upset and then as they go through this process what you see is they go from being afraid to actually then getting the knowledge that they need and the support that they need to be able to battle for their children you see this with the young people as well they start standing up for themselves and refusing you know to to be talked down to and then what you see is this gradual thing where then they start finding mermaids everywhere they go so we get pictures from all over the world where they've gone hey look i went here and there's all this mermaid stuff and they pictures with statues and stuff like that so you know in terms of a brand it it was a complete and it was just that our kids just loved mermaids and that that was it and it and it sort of seemed apt that actually you know mermaids have nothing you know in terms of their bodies on the out you can't yeah. see anything and we wondered whether it was that or not but it just seems to be that they just love mermaids yeah so. i mean i get it i mean 
I mean, I love mermaids as well. Obviously, at the podcast, but um, but especially with the little the little mermaid, the Disney version, especially there's like a, you know a character like you're need to be free and to claim themselves and go after what they want. Um, also, like yeah. it's beautiful in the water. Um, I've often seen that to relate for anyone who is is um, going through a transformation um, because the ocean is a metaphor for like our subconscious and like mermaids are masters of what is unknown to like the mm-hmm. outer world um, so I can see how that resonates but also they're just cool and really pretty <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah so my mum um, so one of the things that sort of got um, attributed to, to us as a, a charity is uh, we have um we started this a couple of years ago. We started Knitted Mermaids. So what we do is if somebody raises money for us, yeah. then we'll send them a mermaid and a thank you card. Now, give me one second, and I'm just going to nab one Okay. Okay. So... My mum makes them. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay, so... Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna set, I'm gonna get a picture of that and make sure I put it in the show notes. Um, it's this beautiful. It's hand knitted. Yep. Wow. So my mom makes these. We take them to pride events. We take them to residential weekends. They don't all look like this. She makes them all different. Oh Each and every one is unique. Okay. And like some of them got long hair, short hair. Some are androgynous. You can't tell whether they're boys or girls. Yeah. And we'd say that they're non-binary then. Uh-huh. And they're this. Uh, this is my sister's that she picked because oh. she won a raffle. We raffle them off. We take them to big events. Um, oh, wow. We send them to our volunteers who raise money for us. Oh, wow. And to say thank you. But my mum makes these. Wow. So my, my mum is our mermaid of oh. Merfolk Factory. I love that. Okay, so now everyone's going to be jealous and they're going to be like, if I donate money, do I get one? <laughs> Yeah, so, and you can buy them. You can buy well. them on the website? You can buy them. Okay. They're, they're sort of 50, we, we sell them. We've got um, a site called Punk Bunnies, and you can buy them, and then you can just look and pick which one you want. So I, I, I'm definitely going to put a link to that because that, that is so adorable, and it's all squishy and cute. There's one that has a little bow tie and this, like, purple little yeah, bigger hat. Yeah, so we, like, we like the silvery hair, but yeah. she also does them with, like, plaits and long hair and ponytails and... Oh, little caps on and headphones all, all different <laughs> that's so that, that, I love that, it that's so creative yeah. that's so wonderful oh, what a contribution um, okay so before we wrap up I do have to ask the the American royal watcher in me um, wants to know what does it feel like to have Prince Harry call your work amazing <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> well as I'm sure you can imagine for us as for us as an organization uh, we get a lot of we get a lot of stick. Yeah. We get an awful lot of stick. You know, I'm I'm regularly put up on Facebook with pictures of the child catcher and told that we're transing children. Oh, and I get um, Twitter bits about me saying that I abused my child. And um, so then having a member of the royal family, and he is he is the coolest one. Yeah, he's the coolest one, definitely. <laughs> um, to actually not only validate us as a charity but to say that you know say that our work is amazing well yeah that's really that's cool great. that's really good it, it was it was one of the things that just made us um made our young people as well feel that they're heard and listened to yeah. because not only did the coolest member of the royal family say that you know that our work is amazing that is validation of trans young people and children so 
you know it, it's it's that acceptance and that you know validation that they exist and they're real and they should be listened to and supported so just yeah. like mermaids are real so and then i read i'm not quite sure how this works but it said that did it say that you were a part of the royal foundation or is there like a collective what is that no okay so uh, what is it's it was it was a project that was called heads together okay. and what it was around was bringing together organizations that work with children's mental health and obviously we support and kids who are trans often suffer from anxiety depression etc because of the way that they're treated by society and so it, he made this initiative to bring together um organizations that he considered as as doing an awful lot and there were only eight of us in the room so to actually be asked to come along to that um and be part of that and we're now actually working in conjunction with four of those and we are moving forward on training to identify the different strands so for example you might have somebody who's got an issue around their gender identity they may also have an eating disorder they may also be dealing with issues around domestic violence or so there's you know not one thing characterizes a person and who they are and what they're going through so we're working with other organizations so that all of our staff in all of these different organizations that work with different individual parts of a young person's life are actually coming together and skilling each other up yeah so that and also creating those connections so if a young person comes to us then they only have to tell their truth once and we will then facilitate them getting support in the different areas of need that they have without them needing to go and off, you know, basically trust another person time and time again will act as that conduit. So we sort of call it like the red carpet treatment. You only have to come in and talk once and then and then you will get linked to the people that you need to help you. I'm imagining a little bit, I mean, <laughs> like um, in The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy goes and, and it's like all of us, she's got, like the whole team is on it, you know, like buffing it up and making sure she has everything she needs <laughs> yeah um, that's oh that's wonderful um well thank you so much for making the time to talk to me and i don't want to keep you from doing your your good work <laughs> um but if people want to um help support the mission in any way what's the best thing for them to do or how do they find you so our email address is mermaidsuk.org.uk on there obviously all of the resources that we use i mean obviously we're uk based um but um you know there's a load of things that are common across the globe um so you know those resources are there information is there um around things like human rights etc obviously uh, across the whole of of earth as it were so there's information on there there's links to latest research on there there's help with regards to different individual questions there's all the voices of the parents and the young people which you know really resonate um if you want to get in touch with us our email address is info at mermaiduk.org.uk um we have supported families from america and other places around the world because a lot of the issues are, are common um and then the other thing is if you want to donate to us there's a donate button at the very top of our website as you go in there click on there send us some money and we'll keep on doing what we're doing to help change people's lives for the better 
Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend or leave a review. Reviews are really important because they help other mermaid lovers find us. The easiest thing to do is to leave a review right in the app that you are using to listen to this episode or leave a review on our Facebook page. That counts too. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Mermaid Podcast, and we always love to see you on social media. Again, we'll have links to all the mermaid news mentioned in this episode on our website, mermaidpodcast.com. Our jingle was recorded by Tori Scott, the world-famous cabaret singer. She performs internationally, and you can find her at itstoriescott.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your reviews and your feedback, and thank you so much to Susie Green and Mermaids. You inspire us to never quit our daydream. It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast.